0: Some of the things we are talking about this week, I mean this month, are not usually what you hear in churches. I think when we're talking about tithing and giving to the church, it's uh, something good that churches usually preach. And that could be because the church needs money, but I think that there are some things that are under stewardship that we should preach, whether or not we need the money are you are you with me um, i Mentioned last week that stewardship is not just about money, even though that's all I'm going to be talking about. It's money. Stewardship is more than your time. It's more than your treasure. It's more than your talents. It's more than your gifts. It includes how you take care of God's earth. It includes how you take care of your body. Uh, So stewardship is more than quote-unquote, religious stuff. And when we read the Bible very clearly and carefully, we see that stewardship is more than those things. In fact, you may be shocked to know that the Bible speaks about stewardship more than it talks about prayer, heaven, and hell all combined. So, God wants you to manage your money his way. Amen, lights? God wants you to manage your money, learn how to handle your money God's way. And that's what I'm going to be teaching. And today... I'm going to give you some abiding principles, some abiding principles of Christian financial management. Some abiding principles of Christian financial management. Now, I have to tell you that I'm not feeling well. So that's an uh, incentive for me to cut it short. But if I don't hear amens, I have all the time in the world. Because I won't think you're getting the point. So I'm going to keep going until I hear amen. Amen. What does, <laughs> what does amen mean? So be it. I agree. That's true. Now, even if you don't agree, just say, help him, God. I, w- I want you to say something. Okay? So let's go with the first abiding principle for Christian financial management. The first abiding principle is to, remember now I'm talking to Christians. I'm not talking to scientists who are not Christians. I'm not talking to sociologists who are not Christians. I'm not talking to historians who are not Christians. I'm talking to Christians. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about those who are not Christians. I'm going to wonder why they believe what they believe. But let's begin with the Assumption that everyone listening to me is a Christian. So the first abiding principle is you must believe that God created everything. I don't don't hear any amens. God created everything and he owns everything. Amen. Amen. Now, when we say God created everything, according to the Bible, in fact, the first verse in the Bible. If you have ever opened the Bible, you can't miss it. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Either you believe the Bible to be true or you don't believe the Bible to be true. Now, if you don't believe the Bible to be true, then you believe you came from a monkey. And if you believe you came from a monkey, I wonder who made the monkey. (laughs) Isn't it really interesting that we believe ridiculous things, And then the things that seem to make more sense, we question. Now, how many of you think that my glasses just dropped from someplace? Nobody made this. Or yours, Ryan. It just dropped. You just found it. Nobody made the banana. The banana just came and got with the shape that it has and everything just for nothing. It's amazing that we believe that a wristwatch was made by somebody. But the most sophisticated being, thing on earth just came, poom! If you see a painting, wouldn't you believe somebody painted it? No, the painting just appeared there. So the Bible says, very simply, it's a faith statement. It's not a scientific statement. It's not a sociological statement. It's not a historical statement. It's just a faith statement. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's good enough for me. If you want to argue whether you came from a bang, you can do it. We even have some Christians today who call themselves theistic evolutionists. (laughs) Uh, They call themselves theistic evolutionists. So, you can believe what you want. You can believe science. I have nothing wrong with science. Science has helped us a lot, but science can't explain everything. Amen. Amen. I have not seen any doctor or nurse that can explain to me how a baby's heart started beating. You know how they explain it? World energy. World energy? Energy just said, there's a baby over there, let me go... House, we want to ask who the architect was who was the contractor but we see a beautiful human being and we say boom you just showed up let me leave scientists alone let's go to David David said in Psalm 24 in verse 1 The earth is the Lord's, and what? Everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And like I said, I have a a lot of scripture verses that I'm going to give you in the notes that I pass out. But the point is that God is the creator of all, and he owns everything. He is the unmoved mover. He moved, but nobody moved him. He is the creator of the ends of the earth. It's my faith belief because the Bible says that was how it happened. Over 2,000 years after that, somebody else tried to explain it, it happened differently. Now if God created everything and if God owns everything, the second principle is if you're going to be a responsible Christian financial manager, you need to recognize that you are not an owner, you are a manager. And God is not going to ask you to give him an account of ten percent of everything he gave you. God is not only concerned about ten percent. God is concerned about how many a hundred percent. so when you give ten percent to the church, when you give ten percent to God, God wants to know what you're going to do with the other ninety. Amen. We are managers. We are not owners. And therefore, we have to give an account for what has been placed in our care. Amen. I got him excited about that one. So, we are stewards. The word steward came from the Greek oikonomia. It's similar to a word that you use in English. Economics. So a steward is someone who is given a charge to keep something. That doesn't belong to them. So there's absolutely nothing that you have today that is yours. If you recognize that principle, then you're going to treat whatever you have very, very carefully and seriously. Now this is a very important principle. That God holds us responsible as managers. That means how you take care of your children. How you take care of your wife. How you take care of your husband. How you take care of your car. How you take care of your house. How you take care of your children. God is going to ask you for all of them. You have to give an account. That is why... It doesn't make any sense why you're buying a $200 tennis shoes for your child and you have no plan to save for their college. There are so many passages in the Gospel of Luke where God made it so clear that everything that he gave to us, he's going to ask us again, how did you do this? Please, don't get me wrong. I'm not not on those of you that smoke. Okay? I have my own bad habits. I don't even know why you say you're taking care of the body God has given you. Hallelujah. And you're smoking, messing that body up every day. Are oh, you quiet now? I know I'm preaching when you're Quiet. That's not the only thing. But you look at everything and you say, God, what will you have me to do with this that you have given me? I know I'm going to give you an accounting for it. There's absolutely no part of your life that you're going to say, God, you have no business looking at. you." You may say it, but it won't hold. Amen. You go before the judge. The judge says, why did you do this? I I don't know. I was insane. Okay. Well, let's get someone to test you. Make sure you're insane. I've always wondered how people who were insane knew they were insane. Okay, Let, let's, let's move on. Number three. Number one is God is the creator of all and he owns everything. The earth is the Lord in fullness thereof the world and those who live therein. Therefore, God owns everything. I must report everything to him. Number two, Christians are managers and not owners. I need to recognize that God has given whatever he has given to me to manage. Amen. It's not he's not asking you to give an account for what he gave me. Because I say a lot of people make excuses. If I were just rich, I know a lot of people tell me if they win the lottery, Pastor, if I win the lottery. I said, yeah, you go keep doing the same thing you're doing right now. Being cheap and being a miser. <laughs> you have to recognize that what God gave to you, he wants you to manage it if they're not yours. And number three, you need to give and manage your money Based on the commands in the Bible. And not just how you feel. Or how the world teaches you. It's amazing, you know, how the world teaches you. The world says, ah, you must be a fool. You're giving all that money to the church. You give 10% of your money to the church? I need to take you to a psychiatrist. Something is wrong with you. You have to understand that as a Christian, you don't live your life according to the way the world lives their lives. You live your life based on the Word of God. You live your life based on what God says. You live your life based on what the Bible says. And if the Bible says it, even if you don't understand it, you need to obey it. Well, let me repeat it again. I didn't hear any amens. Now, I want you to turn to John chapter 14. There's something really interesting in John chapter 14. John is after Luke. John chapter 14. And I'm going to uh, read from verse 15 to 21. Then I jump to verse 23. Listen, this is what Jesus was saying. If you love me... You will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the world cannot accept Him, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you, and He will be with you. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, But you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my father. And you are in me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commands. And obeys them. He is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father. And I too will love him and show him. I show myself to him. Verse 23, just in case you didn't get it. Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him, and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father. Who sent me. Some of us will swear we love the Lord. I love the Lord. You don't know my heart. Only God knows my heart. Now let me tell you this. There's something that is no longer personal since the Bible came. That's your heart. Your heart is now publicly displayed in the things that you do. If you love God, you will obey him. If you don't love God, you will not obey him. Well, I knew the amens were going to be shorter and shorter as we go through. I told you it's it's going to be a rough one today. Number four, every Christian ought to have a budget. Let me repeat it again. Every Christian ought to have a budget. What is a budget? I asked in Petaluma, and somebody told me a budget is something that tells you what's coming in and what's going out. That's not a good definition of a budget. I'm going to change something a little bit in that definition to tell you the correct definition. A budget is something that comes in, shows you something that comes in, and something that should go out. Not just what goes out. A budget is not something that you watch and it's a moving target based on how you feel. Do you know how we all get in trouble? By our feelings. Amen? I need to reward myself, praise the Lord, (laughs) I've been a good boy, I need to just, you know, let me, let me, let me, you know, bless myself, (laughs) and blessing yourself is not in your budget, A budget means that a Christian follows it. Okay? The first thing in a Christian's budget, uh, the thing that I'm going to give you, everybody is going to get one. Let me show you. Somebody asked a question in uh, Petaluma. And I'm going to deal with it next week, too. This is a budget. It's uh, three pages long. One, two, three. Are you still with me? Okay. The first page tells you assets, what you have. Okay. Some of us need to go through that. Because after you go through that, you say, man, I I am penniless. Especially if you're 40 something or fifty something. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. You got to look at that. You look at everything you have, and and uh, sometimes some of the things that you are really so proud of, they are worth absolutely nothing. That nice car you're driving. Yeah, everybody quiet now. It tells you what your assets are, and then it tells you what your liabilities are in your life. If your liabilities outweigh your assets, you're between a rock and a hard place. And carry on. It's not too late to start dealing with that right now. It's not too late to start dealing with it right now. Because I remember when my kids were growing up, uh, we taught them how to separate their money into three ways. Doesn't matter if it's uh, uh, allowance from me, from anybody, Uh, Josh was something else. It, uh, they would do things for me. I'll pay them ridiculous amount. And one day, the guy across the street asked George to come mow the lawn for him. Uh, it was in high school then, right? Or junior high. Yeah, he finished doing the lawn and did everything. The guy paid him $10. He said, what? <laughs> Told me what he was going to pay before I did the work. <laughs> I said, Josh, take that ten dollars, give God one dollar, put five percent in your savings, and spend the rest. All right, that was ten dollars you didn't have before. <laughs> But you know what? You teach your children, stay with them. Now he's making a ridiculous amount of money. And immediately, the first thing he said was, Dad, how are we going to handle this? The way you've been handling it all the time. Give God his, put savings for your family and everything. You know, we have to, you know, some people think this budget is nonsense. When you do this, after a while, it may look legalistic right now, but after a while you get used to it. Are you all still with me? Okay. Now, I can guarantee you, because you live in America, that 50% of you that are listening to me right now have no budgets. Hallelujah. Say, yeah? You know you don't have a budget when you're waiting for your paycheck. Amen? You're waiting for the mailman. (laughs) You do not have a budget. Now, after you've done your assets and liabilities, you come to your income, your take-home pay for yourself and your spouse. Now, this is where it's really important for uh, men. Men. When it comes to budget, that's when you want to say, I'm the man of the house. (laughs) Remember that if you married as a Christian, you're one. Amen. You're one. But please, man, I, I I don't mean to be terrible. But please don't be a parasite to your wife. What is mine is mine, what is yours is mine, (laughs) and ladies, (laughs) it says, By this shall a man leave his father and mother, and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. It doesn't mean they become the woman. (laughs) Becoming one flesh means that You understand that God has blessed you. And I tell you, I keep encouraging the men in our church. I want to say this to you. Um, Men, God has blessed you, and you should not be demanding of your wife what your wife needs to bring into the house. I can hear only a few men. I've been counseling with some men, and they're talking about, you know, she's not bringing enough in. God said you to take care of her. (laughs) Okay let's 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 move on <laughs> oh we're not at number five here we still have to deal with a little bit of number number four okay so uh, time we have about okay please understand this God wants you to save read the bible. Savings was not devised by the U.S. government. Before there was ever a U.S. government, the Bible already said, it is important for you to put something aside for the future. And little by little, money grows. That's why we need to start savings and getting into investment so we will let compound interest work for us. That was a song that said, I work hard for the money. That was the wrong thing. You need to let your money work hard for you. When you let your money work hard for you, at the end you will be surprised what you see. But we want to live now. Amen. You are so quiet today. The Lord must be speaking to you. Everybody should work towards putting aside at least three times what your monthly salary is as an emergency thing. Three times. At least. Amen, lights? Say, I've been working for five years, ten years, and I'm not there yet. Do you know why? You have too many credit cards. We have to be very careful that, you know, for example, don't spend more than 40% of your income on housing. If you are, you need to cut, that's what they say in Nigeria, cut your coat according to your size. (laughs) don't Don't look at the Joneses, their suit won't fit you. And the Bible tells us to live moderately so we are not going to get ourselves in trouble. When you don't tie this, definitely because you're not managing your money the way God says to manage it. You're stubborn. Learn how to create a credible budget. Amen? Learn how to create a credible budget. If it's not in there, it shouldn't be spent. Include all needed insurance in your budget. I am shocked sometimes when I'm asking people, do you have insurance on your life? Young people don't have life insurance. Even if you think you're going to live forever, you need to make plans for the future. I wonder how many people live in apartments but have no apartment insurance. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. And it's the cheapest insurance you're going to get. Include a plan for your future by contributing to your 401k on your job. I'm going to say something. And don't throw stones at me. I think a person qualifies as an idiot if somebody is willing to give you free money and because you don't want to put anything in, you don't want it. Many many of you work for uh, for companies that will put either march you 50-50 or give something towards your 401k and you're not taking it. Free money. And then you tell us you're smart. It doesn't make any sense at all. And especially if you live in the United States where all the money is being spent in Iraq and Afghanistan, and you put money in your Social Security, and when you try to get it out, they think you're begging for it? You better have another plan, because Uncle Sam doesn't care about you. And he does it arrogantly. Arrogantly. Do you know that he takes your taxes without asking you for it? And many of you don't have problem with Uncle Sam, but you have problem with God, who owns everything. And he's only won 10%. Uncle Sam says that 15 and goes up to 40-something percent. Number five. Now we're at number five. Use debt cautiously. The Bible does not prohibit borrowing, but it does not promote debt either. If you follow your Bible, you will not go wrong. Uh, Could you put Psalm 37 verse uh, 21 on the board? I want us all to see it. And then we're going to read Proverbs 22 verse 7. Does anybody have it? You want to read it for us? Uh, Psalm 37 verse 21. The Psalms is in the middle of your book. Okay, read it, please. The wicked borrow and do not what? Amen. I want to tell you that uh, Christians should not file for bankruptcy. Even if you file for bankruptcy right now and the judge gives it to you, when you have money, you need to pay it off. That's your Christian conscience. Just think about somebody coming to you and saying, "Can Can I borrow $100 from you? And then they stop coming to church. Yeah, you can say it means nothing to you, you know, I don't, you know. But you know. In fact, the Bible calls that person wicked. People who borrow and don't repay. You move from one credit card to another credit card. Proverbs 22, verse 7. Okay. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. The King James said it's a slave to the lender. Don't live on credit cards. Now if you have credit cards, just make sure you don't have department stores credit cards. Amen. Amen. Sears Jesse Penny Emporium Macy's. Yes. Yes. Wow, can we have that for next week? Okay, yeah. Um, And the reason why I'm saying that is that it's always very important that if you have the money, don't loan another member. Just give it to them. Yeah, because uh, there are good debts and there are bad debts. Okay? If you borrow to go to a restaurant, that's bad. Okay, you're going to eat it and it's going to come out the other side. And you still owe money on it? That's ridiculous. (laughs) There's good debt. You can, you know, borrow money for school. Borrow money for a house, borrow money for, uh, depending on what the investment is, and you need to look at it very carefully, you can borrow money for some type of investment, you know. But uh, borrowing money for vacation, you're going to go to Hawaii and have a blast and come back home with a debt. and your budget shows vacation so you should have been saving for vacation you shouldn't borrow for it in fact borrow money to buy a car is a bad debt because when you leave that parking lot your value of the, the value of the car has gone down okay it's okay to buy your first car on credit, but after that, you should always pay cash. Drive the first one until it becomes dust. While you're saving for the other one, you're going, you're going, you're going to uh, drive. So uh, in the in the notes, we have good debt, bad debt, things that you shouldn't really be borrowing money to do. Okay, number six, set goals to pay off your loans, your car, your house, your student loans, your investment properties, and pay the higher interest rates off first. Are you still with me? Okay, you must buy a car Life, home, and medical insurance for you and your family. Even if you live in an apartment, you must purchase an insurance policy to cover you and your property. And to you young people, buy your life insurance policies while you're in good health. Insurance companies in there to make money. Immediately, they know you have something, they're going to give you a runaround. I hope anyone here doing insurance doesn't uh, grab me by my shirt when service is over. You need to invest, everybody can invest. Investment is not just for rich folks. Investment is for everybody. How many of you here are in Nehemiah investment? Nehemiah investment. Okay. And all we ask for that is twenty five a month. So you can you can invest even if all you can do is five dollars. month, you need to invest in something. Because what the investment does is provide a better future for you. Amen? You can wear the best clothes right now. And you can enjoy it now. Later on, you'll be begging the person that's not wearing the right clothes right now. We'll work for food. Because you're not taking the future seriously. You need to do it. One of the things I like to do is go through with uh, young couples that are trying to get married, and we go through the budget line by line. I love that part of the uh, counseling, it's always the most interesting. I think many have left and said, okay, let's not marry. And I said, good. Because you're heading for trouble. But, you know, I, I, I noticed one thing, though, that uh, God has put us together uh, for a reason. I'm talking about to you that are married, or to you that are getting married, or trying to get married, or whatever. God has put us together for a reason. I noticed that God, for the past 40 years, I've noticed God always put the opposite together. It's not a scientific thing, but I've noticed that. If the wife is clean, (laughs) Amen. You can eat on the floor that Frida vacuums. Three times. Sometimes she does it more than three times a day. You know. And me? Praise the Lord. I use being busy as an excuse. I'm just busy. So everything is... I'm throwing it and she's picking it up. (laughs) You see, I like to save and invest. And Frida has the principle, you only live once. (laughs) (laughs) I say, yeah, but when you're with me, you're going to live more than once. (laughs) You're going to prepare for the future. If one is always on time, the other one is always late. That's why you are a helpmate for the person. Praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, Next week we will end this series. And I'll stop boring you with this. But this is very important. And I think it's important that we Christians understand that God God doesn't want you to be poor. Okay, don't use that excuse at Village Baptist. Blessed are the poor, no, in spirit. Okay, finish that line. Blessed are the poor, in spirit. Okay? Okay? God wants you to do well Amen He said what plan he has for you To prosper you That's the plan God has for you To prosper you not only that but to give you hope Amen God bless you